Welcome to another edition of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. I'm your host, Andrew Henderson, and today my guest is somebody who's currently on the club's committee, Andrew Gerrans. He has been match secretary and then secretary over the last couple of years, and he's been telling me about how he got into the sport and how being on committee has changed his perspective at the club. Andrew properly picked up cricket a few years after I did, so I do kind of remember his early days at the club, but he's usually somebody I can have a bit of a laugh with in the field just by virtue of the fact that we both have the first name, Andrew. If somebody tells one of us to go over there, then usually I will take the mick out of them and pretend I don't have a clue which one they're talking to. I think that's enough of me rambling on for now, though. Let's get straight into the chat with Andrew to hear what he had to say. Andrew, thanks for joining me. First off, how are you doing? I'm fine, fine. I'm enjoying the lovely, lovely Scottish weather. Um, at least it stopped raining, so I mean, it's, it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse, actually. Well, as we're recording this, I don't know exactly when this is going to be going out, but we're still in lockdown in the minute, so you're limited to what you can do anyway, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, thankfully, I'm... I'm lucky enough. I'm obviously I'm still working, so I'm getting out. The, I'm being allowed to get out of the house. Um, kind of, it's it's a different. It's different. It's uh, slightly different, obviously, the previous lockdown we had. But it's uh, it's near nice different, but it is different in the sense that I'm being able to actually spend time. Like, I mean, last year we got a new puppy in December, so I've, like this lockdown's kind of been able to let us spend a bit of time with the dog and that and what have you. So, yeah, it's been. A nice in some respects, but the continual boredom of oh, what do I do now is, yeah, that's, that's the mere annoying part of it. Yeah, you can tell how long the pandemic's been going on for because your dog's a fair size now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If I started it and she was just this little pup that had just finished uh, in her puppy classes and knew she's just, yeah, she's she's big now. Like she met her little cousin a couple of nights ago, I think it was last week, and like just seeing the size difference between this new little puppy that's like nine, ten weeks old and Nova was, or was that size, but is uh, yeah now not that size. So it uh, it's interesting to say the least. Well, we just forget about the cricket and just talk about Nova for an hour. Well, I, I could quite happily speak about the dog for an hour. <laughs> Dogs my specialty subject. Cricket's just something I've fallen into, to be completely honest. Well, on that note, how did you get into cricket? Because I, I was having a look through the stats. I felt like I remembered when you joined the club. Vaguely, I couldn't have told you exactly when, but I remember you coming along. But looking at it, you played a junior game. So the first time I ever remember kind of picking up a cricket bat was the quick cricket at school, we all in, which was in primary six, maybe primary seven. Um, for some reason, I didn't get selected to go down to the festival, but I think it was because South Park gave us bizarre thing where they don't want to always win everyone has to get a shot which to me as somebody who's incredibly competitive seemed mental but that's again that's why they do it so um after that i played like i was saying i played a junior game once um it was up in huntley um and the only reason i played was because fraser lawrence um his mom used to be my swim coach she had said over oh, they're short of players um, and she gave me a lift up and I scored a grand total of zero runs off a huge amount of one ball. Yeah, I was looking at the scorecard from that. It didn't look great for Fraser, bro. <laughs> no, no. I think if we didn't hit Fraser that day, it might have been even worse. Um, again, the, like, my, I obviously, I'd, I'd never kind of been in this sort of environment before. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, the first time I walked out to bat, or say the first time that when I walked out to bat, I actually walked out without my gloves. So I had kind of pads and everything else on, but got my bat in hand and then got so far out and the umpire turned to my mouth. Uh, yeah, you'll need gloves. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll go and get them. I think it was just me trying to hog the limelight and stay out there a little bit longer just so everybody's like, look at me. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Clearly. You got two walkouts. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. But then after that, I kind of... Swimming was obviously my main thing, so cricket kind of never appeared again. And then I went to Australia in 2000 and, would that be 2010, 2011, I think. About when you left school? Yeah, aye. So if, if I left school, um, I went to Australia and spent six months in Melbourne. And now obviously in Melbourne, you've got MCG, biggest, well, now second biggest cricket stadium in the world. And kind of being around that, kind of, there was a few guys that was out where we, they played cricket as well. They played for the South Yarra Cricket Club, I think they were called. They had like five teams. 
Um, they had two squares. Um, there was a guy that played in the first team or the second team when I was out there called Gideon Haig. Um, he's a very, very famous cricket journalist in Australia. Um, he does quite a lot of stuff over there. And then it was just a case of seeing that and hearing that little bit of experience. You know, cricket is such a massive thing in Australia. It's something that everybody can do. Um, being around that environment, can I just let my brother me burst into it? But here I go at it. Um, obviously, being a golfer, it's, in my head, I thought if I can hit a golf ball, it's a really small ball. I'm fine. All that I need to do is look at the ball and hit the ball. Um, it's a nice logic. But uh, apparently there's a bit more technique involved in it than that. But I still think the golf swing is the best way to go. It's just awkward when the ball's moving when you're trying to hit it. Yeah. Too. I mean, it would be so much better if you just teed it up in front of you and then you were just able to run down and hit it so much easier. And also, when I was in Australia, we, I was in there the first year they had the Big Bash. And I remember coming out over the MCG after we'd done the tour and we walked past the nets and Shane Warren was bowling in the nets. And you were kind of you were like five, ten meters away from this can the well, in my opinion, probably the greatest player it's or greatest bowler, sorry, that's ever played. Just can seeing him and seeing him actually doing it was pretty special. Can it's and this was when he made his comeback and um, he stopped playing for about a year, I think. Um, I should know this. I've just read his book. Uh, I think it was about a year. He finished playing in the IPL and then he took a year out and then he got approached to play in the Big Bash, play for Melbourne Stars and then went to every game that they played at the MCG. He went to watch the Renegades play, saw David Warner scoring a ton um, in the very first game, absolutely destroying. Him. Um, one shot I remember I'm playing is one of the first balls he faced. I think it was off a guy called Clint Kai. And I remember I'm just kind of skipping down two steps and absolutely launching it. And it was just like, in my head, I was like, oh, that's huge. Um, Ken, the size of the ground, obviously, it's it's a big ground anyway. And he's gone and put it 20, 30 metres over the boundary, uh, over the um, 30 rows back, essentially. And it was just this massive hit. Then kind of came back to Australia. And it was probably about another couple of years. Um, I had Brian nipping at my head saying, Oh, you should come do new. You wouldn't be only good, you wouldn't be as good at cricket as I am. That sounds like Brian. And me being the kind of person I am, I took it to be right, I'll just I'll turn up. Um, and I'll turn up, I'll get a go. And I've kind of been not hooked, but I've I've been pulled in more and more and more um ever since. And just kind of that's been it. That's my my journey to Brock CC. It's not a bad introduction to cricket properly in, in Australia, but had you ever like watched it when you were over here before that? Or was that properly your first experience of cricket? I would say I probably did watch it on TV, kind of like watching like so the, the T20 stuff and that kind of kicked off. I think that was kind of it brought me to it. Like I remember, I do bizarrely remember watching the Ashes in 2005. Right. But again, I was like, it was on free, t- it was on Channel 4. And obviously the last time that TV was free to air and I was I mind just putting on the TV. It was one of those things that the TV was on and I liked watching sports, so I would watch anything. Saw the cricket was on, I thought oh, I'll watch it and have you a bit. It wasn't until like so the like I said, the T20 stuff kind of came about and that was it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. It was kind of it was quite fast going. It was like one to send three hours job done kind of thing. Um which I think I kinda liked a bit better is that I wasn't sitting for days and days and days and can as why is we cricket you can play for five days and nay win. Uh, how can or lose. You can drop it can to me in my head it was like how can you play for five days and nay have a winner? But kind of as time's gone on I've kind of appreciated like watching test cricket and stuff a bit more. I think even in tests England might still be asking the question just how do we play for five days? Yeah, well, yeah, I think especially after the last kind of few um, performances can get absolutely pummeled by, I wouldn't say, I mean, India at home are strong regardless, but it, I wouldn't say it's the strongest team that they've probably ever played. But I mean, seeing a start that India haven't lost at home, or lost a series at home, I think it was, since like 2012. I think it would be about the time England beat them last time, yeah. Yeah, kind of, and it's just mental for, for a team... Although it came fair enough, it's in home conditions, but for a team to hear that sort of dominance at home is incredible. But 
I can't actually remember what was the question again. <laughs> no, I took you totally off topic with England. <laughs> You're talking about how 2020s was really what got you into sport as opposed to tests. Yeah, um, and then I think it was just kind of, once I'd watched that, I'd experienced a little bit myself. I found that I would, because I was kind of generally fit, I found it was something different. It was a, it was a different environment for me. Um, kind of it was a, an environment that I was not comfortable in. Like, and although it sounds a weird thing, but I quite enjoy putting myself in like situations where I've got like a point to prove, and I I kind of thrive, not thrive, but I tend to perform better if I've got a little bit of pressure on myself. And if, because of the way I was when I was swimming, I would all I would be my biggest critic. Um, and the amount of like swimming pairs of goggles and cups that get launched and snapped and broken, um, it's it was quite bad for one point kind of getting into arguments with people over absolutely nothing um but it's slowly kind of ground my dune and just getting the fact to actually play in a team and kind of contributing a little bit more um off field as well now um it's been an interesting journey to where we are right now to be honest We'll get into some of the off-field stuff in just a bit but we've talked i think about this before Aside from the podcast, that like, cricket is is such a, an intense sport for exactly the kind of thing you're just talking about, isn't it? It's it's all yeah. on you, and yet you're still part of a team. Like, was that a, a difficult thing for you to sort of balance when you first started playing? Um, I think the, the issue I had is, like I said, I always put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, I and I all, everything that I'd done previously had always been like me and myself, and I like to swim in golf. Is all individual sports mm-hmm. and it's something that I, I found the difficulty that when I did transfer into cricket it was that it, I wasn't the only one there and if I had a rubbish day there was other people around about me that alternatively they did something didn't they turn up but there was other day other people around about me that were able to take like the pressure off my kind of thing um but it was a tricky one um kind of changing into that changing my mindset into a team sport shall we say but you're saying things have changed as you started contributing a bit more. Like I say, I was having a look back at the stats. Your first senior game for Fraser Brother that I could find on record. It was friendly, but you did take a wicket, apparently. It was one for six off two overs, six wides and one wicket against Allen in a friendly. <laughs> I played a game before that. Did you? I okay. Played, yeah, I played my first proper game. I played, was it a Brock? Um, Gary was captain in. Um, it was on a Sunday and we were playing like a Gordonians like Sunday team basically I think it was like their third 11 or something um, and for some I never got to bat because Mark Witt scored opened the bat and then scored 40 and did that wait did solid... I open the bat in with him that day well I have a feeling you might have done someone I know that Mark scored four. I remember Mark scoring 40 runs because I remember after the game Gary saying that it took Mark one game to score 40 runs and it took him like an entire season to score 40 runs um, so he was incredibly frustrated but for some reason after we had batted Gary decided Andrew you can open the bowling yeah and uh, yeah I think I bowled four I bowled four overs and in those four overs I think there was like 12 wides I'm sure there was probably about four or five in one over but that's not even the most embarrassing figures I have got worse than those which is Something else. That's for that's for a story for later. Um, I know the feeling. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I can. I think I bowled four overs, and for some reason I, I didn't take a wicket, but I only went for twenty five runs, considering I'd bowled twelve wides, which I thought, can this? This is easy. This if I can get it on, if I can get it straight, can there's nothing to it. All I've got to do is figure out how to bowl straight, and then we're away. And then I, I think that was like an end of season game. I think it was in like. September, kind of August, September, kind of time. And then, like I said, I played at Ellen, bowled a couple overs, and I took my first wicket. And if I remember rightly, I think it was Fraser took the catch. Somebody spooned it up to, I'm sure it was mid on. Fraser was fielding that, and I thought he was probably fielding it on the boundary. And somebody spooned it up, Fraser took the catch, and that was it. That was my first wicket for Brock. It was, I do remember it, funnily enough. Um, I don't remember scoring my first run, but I, I do remember it. Well, th- you also scored a run that friendly against Allen. You got one not out that day. Nice. Oh, well, at least I still didn't have an average then. I was, I was... There you go. 
<laughs> so, but you're talking about you know making the transition from individual sports to team sports and putting a lot of pressure on yourself. How did you find those early days of, of playing cricket for Fraserburgh? Different. It was uh, it, like I say, it was it was an environment that I wasn't used to. But like everybody in the team, um, came was incredibly welcoming. Um, obviously, I knew a couple of them, like Fraser and stuff. Um, Brian, when he was there, I knew him. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, kind of the and the rest of the guys kind of just you kind of built up a bond with them pretty quick. Kind of like so, I'm sure Gary played in that game. You probably played in that game. Um, I knew Alan as well, Alan Rennie. Kind of he was quite a big help at the start. Um, he just got a lot of help for me. We just we bowling. Kind of obviously Alan's played cricket for for years. Um, and he's got that ability to know how to coach and he know he's a really good coach at cricket so the transition worked quite well and to be short um, it's something that I've just slowly got more and more ingrained in the team um, I'm still by no means a, the first name on a team sheet even though it's me that picks the teams <laughs> um, but it's just the environment the environment the club's kind of changed this last wee while We've become more like a family club. Um, obviously, you've always you're always got here. If you've got a cricket team without a bowie, something's wrong. You've always got a bowie in the team, and and it's you build up that bond. We like Sir Liam, Corey, Gospel, um, and Kenny. You, you do become good pals with them. Um, you become good friends with them, and enjoy spending your Saturday with them, even if you do get absolutely hammered, which doesn't happen often. Now that we're out of grade one, but just just to double check, are you talk about hammered on the pitch or after the game? Um, uh, it occasionally happens after the game. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever been. Well, yeah, actually, no. Yeah, it's more more the the cricket weddings are the problem. They were interesting affairs, shall we say? Uh, yeah, but no, it was the just that there seems to be you know, quite a big shift towards getting more juniors into the club and kind of we've got a couple at the minute like uh, Callum, Alex um, and then you go a little bit older like uh, um, Rebecca and then even Leanne um, and Leanne's made mass- a massive impact into the club um, and for some reason she says that I'm, I was quite part of her journey into the club but I, I didn't do anything apart from invite her doing the training I, I've, I've had nothing to do with Leanne's uh, journey apart from inviting her like I say doing to training on the Wednesday night or Thursday night or whenever it was so. that could still be a big step though just getting somebody to come along in the first place yeah. is, it could still be a significant thing what do you put that change that you talked about down to because that was one of the questions I actually had to ask you later on <laughs> I don't know to be completely honest I think it's some people are obviously getting slightly older um, and I think we've got like, a group of coaches and stuff that are looking to get into juniors obviously we've all we've had Ken Allen's run the quick cricket stuff for 20 well nearly 20 years 16 17 years something like that and we've never really had anything and but obviously the last well the last year because obviously we were in lockdown but the two years previous we ran the all-stars course which is five to eight year olds and it's, it was just over why getting back and grabbing onto these kids at that age and trying to keep them in the club and keep them coming along um, hopefully this year's a big year for us obviously if Covid permitting we can get our all-stars or the Dynamos cricket then they've got the chance to shine stuff as well which kind of is it's not something I've been in, um, read into almost or if Michael has read me into it I fell asleep off through because it took him so long to explain it but yeah it's, it's an exciting time to be part of the club because we are the focus has shifted from this is where we are and this is where we always have been to, this is where we want to be. And I think it's just taken a few people to come along and go, I don't know what to be standing still, I want this club to move forward, I want us to progress and not necessarily become world beaters, but just to become a bigger club um, in the sense that, so that everybody knows about it. It's like when I first met Kim, Kim didn't even know there was a cricket club in the Brock. Okay, and, and it's getting that word out there at the minute, like we're doing with kind of using... Uh, speaking to local businesses and like we did well we'll, we'll have drawn by this time this because we had a local business hamper um, with one oh, I don't know, with Young's Jewelers get that little dig in there for you Andrew um, appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> um, we had, so we had Young's Jewelers we had a, a company called Mama G3 
they did the engraved gin board, um, which actually was pretty cool. It's something if um, somebody that's listening to this wants to check out their Facebook page or their Etsy page, it, it genuinely the stuff is really cool. Um, and then we had a few other little bits and bobs kind of for our Easter hamper, which were really good as well. I'm sure I answered the question there, but in a roundabout way. Yeah, no, you did. I mean, I think my impression of the cricket club has always been that we like to see youngsters coming through, but I think now there's just a bit more of a concerted effort to properly build that profile and, and reach out a bit more to some youngsters who might be interested in playing as opposed to just hoping they find us and come yeah. along. And, and that's such a crucial change in approach, like you're saying. So one of the things, I'm going to take this way back to the start again for you now. One of the <laughs> things that youngsters will always have to try and make a bit of a decision on, I suppose, or get you know, guided towards is whether they're a batsman or a bowler. I think a lot of the time we always just do a bit of both at training anyway, but was there a conscious thought for you on whether you would be one, the other, or an all-rounder? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't worked it's, out uh, like that, has it? <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't think there was ever really a conscious effort to, to do one or the other. It was always a case, because the, the training sessions I went to was always, you batted for a bit, then you bowled it the rest of the night kind of thing. So you had not necessarily an opportunity to work on it, but that was just the two things you did. Mm. Um, I quickly learned that my bowling needed a bit of work. Um, obviously, like I said earlier, with the amount of wides that I bowled, and let's be honest, I still bowl those amounts of wides. Nothing wrong um, with that. It's something that, bowling I think is something that doesn't, it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, the batting side of stuff, when it's good and I'm taking my time and I'm actually thinking through what I'm doing. It's good. It's, I can time the ball as good as kind of quite a lot of the other guys within the club, but when it's bad, it's, it's really bad. But again, it comes from the golf background. It, it, I'm so used in golf to my feet are stationary and I do not move. And for us cricket, you, yes, being stationary is good when you're, when you actually make contact with the ball, but you need to be moving to get into position to hit the ball, which was something I, I have to pay a conscious effort to, especially in training, is actually moving my feet towards the ball or moving my feet back so that I can get back and clip it off my legs or play the Brian one-handed arse shot that goes flying down to fine leg for four. Um, it's, yeah, I've never been one or the other. I've always kind of tried to do both. But if I was to say anything, I would say I would probably be the better batsman than the arm bowler. But again, there's been times where my bowling have bowled they bowled teams out, but well, at times my bowling can be really good. There's some training session nights where it's kind of up there with how accurate and consistent as it should be for, for a team anyway. So, I suppose especially you're talking about moving your feet. When you first got interested in, properly interested in cricket in Australia, the pitches that you would have seen and been used to watching are totally different from what you'll get in Fraserburn anywhere in yeah. Aberdeenshire, really. I mean, it's, I, play, I, I played one game, well, I played, kind of played a game over in Australia, but it wasn't a proper game. It's like we have, we obviously in Brock, we've got our sevens um, to as far as Australia on Australia Day. They they had their like version of a sevens game, um, and I remember playing there. And I played one game because I spent the rest of the day drinking, which you're encouraged to do. It's it's Australia Day, so why not? Um, then I remember looking at a ball and thinking, "This is just got." To, come up and go about kind of hip height and before I knew it, it was kind of coming up and skiffing my head kind of thing it bounced that much you know it was whereas in the brock if it bounces that high it's because it's hit a stone or something and or it hasn't bounced or it just hasn't bounced again in the brock obviously we, we always joke in the brock that you've got the brock bounce but you, it is a skill to be able to play at the brock because it's so inconsistent but with the work that we've done um, hopefully we can get a bit more consistent and couple of years to come anyway again you're talking about changes at the club a lot of work is going in behind the scenes on stuff like the pictures right now and yeah. hopefully that's that's going to be great in a few years time when it's all done and we can make the most of it <laughs> yeah i mean it's two years ago pre-covid um we spent quite a lot of money on doing up the square um and kind of not completely digging it up but taking as much of the crap off filling it with loam trying to make that base a little bit harder obviously covid hit last year we didn't have a chance to play so we were kind of 
they barked to square one, but our pitch was somewhat a disrepair. Um, the grass wasn't getting cut because the council weren't cutting it. It's then got back to a case of we needed to look at different ways to do it. So we've got gospel, um, resident farmer gospel, who came in with his, one of his grass cutters and he cut the grass for us. So we were able to actually get some form of cricket on last year. Um, and then at the end of last year, once the season had, or I say the season, once the period of time when we were able to play cricket had passed, we spent another quite a lot of money on, again, putting mayor loan doing into the ground, spiking the ground, working with the golf club. Um, we spoke to the groundskeeper at the golf club and got him to come along and core the grounds um, so that we were able to actually let the ground breathe, but also fill in as much loam into the ground as possible. So, yeah, it was, it's been a lot of work um, in both the ground and, again, the, the wash use, um, which has kind of become my baby for some bizarre reason. Um, you, you were the only one that actually went ahead and did it. So, Well, I think it was... I'm very much, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it and I'll go and do it within that like half an hour within, half an hour of me saying something, I'll generally, I'll go and do it. So I kind of took it upon myself to look at different ways that we could get access into the wash use. Um, I got in touch with a company, North East Doors or something, I think they're called, and they came and got us a brand new shutter, roller shutter for a door, um, and they brought it for a new door, so they cut the hole out of the wall this new shutter in and then we had a case that we needed to find somebody to build a ramp so I went and got that got the ramp built into the wash use and the ramp on the inside filled in a hole that was on the inside of the wash use so prior to all that we'd obviously ripped out the entirety of the inside of the wash use but we previously it was obviously an old toilet block for a caravan park um, that still had obviously the, all the urinals but the year before we did have made the changes to mark the new door in with ripped the whole place out um so it was just one big open room to make it easier to store things but also to get things in and out because it gets to the point to not store sometimes that it's you open a door throw it in pull a shutter down for as now everything has got a place we've got shelving up inside it we've got hooks on the wall everyone uh, hooks on the wall so the car alloys on the wall so that we can hang our boundary ropes up on so there has been an effort for myself and a couple of others to actually make it easier for folk to have a place for actually safely store their stuff. I must say there was about I think three maybe four years that I didn't come down to training didn't really play much for Fraserburgh and the difference between when I was last there regularly and last year when I was down a little bit when we could do stuff in the pandemic it was incredible to see there's so many things I was like oh we've got this now oh we've got that now so get full credit to the work you've done but I guess a lot of that and we alluded to this earlier, it's, it's now time to go on to it. It's because you're on committee now as match secretary. <laughs> you kind of roll your eyes when I say that. What possessed you to go for that? Well, first of all, I never went for it. I okay. was, for some reason, some, I think it was actually Suter. So I'm going to blame Suter for this. Suter, for some bizarre reason, said in a AGM, what would that be, two years ago now? Three, well, maybe longer than that. How long have I been doing it? Three, three, four years ago, so something like that. And because it had been passed around, I've been some folk had been doing it, and it had been getting folk teams had been struggling to come out and for a hub year. And then I was asked, would I mind doing it? I said, yeah, it's all it is is picking 11 players. How difficult can it be? And I was told, oh, don't worry, most weeks we just get 11 available. Yeah, I was about to say um, that's the so, so that makes that makes picking a team incredibly easy. Okay, so. I'm thinking that's fine, that's great. So first game of the season, I put the email out. We were playing, don't know know who we were playing, but it was the first game of the season, uh, first league game, sorry, in the season, and we had 19 players available. Now, That's great, in a way. So in in one way, like you're saying, it's great, we had 19 players available. And then you look at it and go, right, how do I get 19 down to 11? Thankfully, I was able to hear a 12th man and a 13th man, so I only needed to kick off six people. Was so, I one of those 19, or did I make it life a bit easier for you? No, you you did, you, you were unavailable. Right, okay. So it could have been worse, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You, you were probably in kind of the global energy stadium of the Tullich Caledonia, whatever the heck it's called. Is it Tullich Caledonia? Is that what it's saying is? Not Tullich anymore, it's just the Caledonian Stadium. That, just the Caledonian that, Stadium, okay. They came to an agreement with that, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that was a little bit of a baptism of fire. It's 
a case of 19 players available, whittle this down to 13, like I said. Um, and then the first email I put out after selecting the team was like, look, I was told this job was going to be really easy, but you've just made it incredibly difficult for me because I had 19 people available. Now, the hail of the previous year, and I think probably a couple of years before, we never had 19 players available, ever. Then it was just a case, it was similar stories throughout the season. It was week after week, I was constantly having to say, uh, sorry, you're not playing this week, or just putting the team lines out and saying, if anybody's got any issues, we at Telma. But it, it, that is the team I've picked. Kind of was, I think it was one week that I only, I had 13. I think that was the lowest I ever had. And just to keep the peace, because it was a home game, I thought, right, I'm going to hear 12th man and the 13th man. But yet, for some reason, we only ended up playing with 10. So yeah, it's, you, hear, you hear this, that you go, right, I've got 13 guys available. And then somebody found out they were 12th man. So I'm like, oh, they come and do it. If I'm just 12th man, they come and do, which annoyed me. But hey, well, that was their decision. Then 13th man, they came along, they played. And then somebody took me a wheel the morning of the game. So I was just doing till 11. And then I come in for happened. Someone, someone else happened the morning of the game, and we were doing a ten. It was like you are having a laugh. And we had thirteen players available here with two spare, and we're now playing one short. Thankfully, I managed to convince the person who was originally twelfth man to come and actually play. So it uh, meant we did play with a full full complement. Eventually, they arrived ten overs late. And, it's the stresses of committee, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he was still there, though, before Michael, I have to say. Even though the person was 10 hours late, Michael was still later. So, yeah, just get that little dig in there for him. <laughs> oh, it has to be done. It has to be done. Yeah. I think every single episode I do, somebody's going to have a dig at Michael. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the match second stuff, Michael was doing I think Michael did it a couple of years before me, and then I think Alan did it, and then I did it. Um, and then it came to the end of the first year, and I got quite a lot of plaudits for people. Um, how the fact that it wasn't just a little spiel who's available this weekend I was actually putting a bit of info into the email keeping folk up to date with stuff because that's I think that's sometimes what you've got to do you've you've got to keep folk up to date with it's actually happening within the club and it's especially just now this last year obviously it was pretty difficult we weren't playing so any committee meetings or meetings that we were having whether they were full committees or just an impromptu chat I was putting out fit we were actually speaking about um, so that folk knew that we were looking at the best way I get some games in this that last year. Um, and I think a lot of folk appreciated that, the fact that they were being told what was actually happening rather than just waiting for an email to come out. So, But it's something that the, the, much said for the job I've kind of quite enjoyed, um, apart from the obvious, the, again, telling folk you're going to play, and it's, it's not nice, but somebody's got to do it, kind of, unfortunately. Um, and then this last year, so... The AGM we had in 2020, I was then approached and said, you're doing such a good job of being match secretary, why don't you be just become the secretary? And I was like, what does that involve? And it's like, basically what you're doing just now, I was like, well, if I'm doing it just now, there's no point in my saying no, I may as well just get a bash. Um, and I'm still, for some reason, secretary. But it's uh, it's interesting. You're kind of seeing a bit more about how the clubs run and how folk perceive the club. Okay, and some folk, uh, you find it very difficult to get a reply for them. Some folk will reply to you instantly, and it does get frustrating, but you just kind of soldier on. You wait till that time that you've said last kind of submissions for being able to play, and, and then you take it for there. I did have a few occasions in 2019 where we were scratching around at half past five on a Friday night trying to get a team because some moron decided, right, let's see a stagger this weekend. And then it was, oh, well, we've got another stagger because somebody else is getting married. And oh, I just... Thankfully, one one of the weddings that we had, but the first the Bowie wedding that we had in July, that we managed to get that game postponed and moved to a different date. I think we moved it to Sunday. I think it was against Grammar we were originally supposed to be playing. We moved it to the day of the World Cup final. Actually, England beat New Zealand. But anyway, um, the we moved that game and then we had another wedding. Thankfully, that was out of season. Or did we play that one? I don't know, but we've had a quick, last two years ago. We had a couple of cricket weddings that half the team were at, kind of thing. Yeah. So it was a that was the most difficult part of being a match secretary is trying to figure out. Oh, can you hold a bat? Yes, you're playing, kind of thing. <laughs> and I think we played. I think that game we got moved against Grammar. I think we ended up playing with a couple of trialists that game, and we had 
while Ramsey came back for a one-off game and took scored 20-odd runs, took four wickets, and we've never seen him again, which is just like Will. That's just what Will does. He turns up, bowls really well, and then disappears and comes back a couple of years later. We were just about to do another appearance from him. <laughs> well, I think we should get one this year. Um, is that an exclusive? Well, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say if it's an exclusive, but it's more exclusive than knowing whether Michael's got to turn up late every week. So Fair enough. You say you're learning a bit more about how other people perceive the club, because I suppose you've got more interaction with everybody mm. at the club now than you did before. Has your own perception of what the club is and, and how it's run changed since going on committee? Yes and no. It's still the same in a sense that I still see it as a local club. It's nay changed, although the majority, well, I say the majority, pretty much everybody outside my cell and maybe one or two others actually stay in the broch. And myself, I stay in the broch, Alan stays in the broch, and Ryan stays in the broch. Outside of that, everybody is kind of scattered far and wide, kind of like Sir Paul Doonan Dundee. Is it Dundee? I think he's closer to Perth now. Oh, flipping heck. I know, and he's still like his plan on coming back and playing. Full credit to him. A home game for Paul is Aberdeen. And he actually enjoyed when we played in Stonehaven because it was an hour or less that he had to drive. Um, it's practically local for him. Yeah. So, and that bit... There's still some people that you see and it frustrates you because they're not putting as much effort. And like I'm, ve- like I said, I'm very much that if I'm doing something, I'm doing it 100 percent. It's I, I will give everything and I will keep going and going until I kind of burn myself. Which obviously isn't good for me, but it's just kind of the type of person I am. I'd like to try and give as much as I can. Um, I said this in the AGM that it's a club with 150 odd years of history. I'm not being one that's letting that fall. While I'm part of the club, and I think it's I want to keep the club going for another fifty years. Whether I'm playing in fifty years is a different story, but it's I'm not letting this club fold while I'm part of it. And it's just other people. Some people hear that mindset that this is their club. They're they're proud to say that, and then you get some people that you think, hmm, are you just here just because? But it's just my perception of it. they maybe are into it as much as I am. It's just they're not as vocal about it, which is something that I've got to remember that. I am quite vocal. If something's annoying me, I will say it. But also on the flip side, if somebody's doing something really well, like Sylvia, and she, a couple of years ago she went doing a train with Scotland, I will blare it as loud as I can so that clubs can toot in their own trumpet kind of thing. Yes, we're a small club, but we've we've got players that have gone and represented us doing a national level. And it's something that we need to shout about. You get that recognition. And if nobody shouts about it, then nobody knows. So... Yeah, it's been an interesting last few years, shall we say. Yeah, maybe best, better left at that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, you know, close to only go 150-odd years. I think we're only a couple away from 160. But 160 next year. Next year, okay. Yeah. Um, so our club was obviously formed 1862 by Ian McCallum. Ian McCallum and Ian Watson, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah, both of them were there. They were both there at the very start and they're still here right now. No, funnily enough, it was another Andrew that started the club. I could tell you that was for it? a fact. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we're just that's what we're doing then. We're just keeping Andrews in the club. That's all it is. So yeah, it's it's a club that it's it, we've also got a massive history. It's we maybe kind of won as much as some other teams, but we're proud to be far worth a kind of thing being a Mason Northeasterly cricket club in Scotland, being probably one of the oldest. I would say. There maybe there maybe is more out there that are older than us, but can to be a hundred and fifty year old, nearly well, like you're saying, one hundred and fifty six, one hundred and sixty next year. It's it. There's not many clubs out there that are going to run for that long. I'm not going to go into football talk. I'll leave that one. I'll avoid that one. <laughs> well, I mean, football talk. Fraserburgh Cricket Club members founded Fraserburgh Football Club. Yeah, I mean, we've always tried to kind of incorporate other clubs. Again, with the Rock has obviously just newly got a rugby club five, six years ago. I think we've kind of we've struck up that bond with them. As soon as they were kind of making strides and being a bit bigger, we were kind of there with them, helping them, and they were kind of helping us and stuff as well. So it's kind of try to create a little like sports hub almost, and doing in that little area. Got the all weather pitch. We've got the running track. We've got the football pitch within the running track. Tennis courts, the skate park that's hopefully getting redone soon. Then the rugby training park. They've got that there. So then you've got a cricket pitch right next door. So there is a little kind of 
hub being formed doing there. It's just about everybody pulling in the same direction. Fingers crossed. We just go from strength to strength over the next. I realise that's a really flowery way of putting it. As, mm. as one member of the club once told me about my match report, she used the word flowery, and I was like, what? Where that? But yeah, it's like fingers crossed we could go from strength to strength over yeah. the next few. I think, Andrew, we're at the time for some quick fire questions. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm going to have to think of a better name for it than quick fire questions, but maybe that'll be one. If we do a series two of this, maybe I'll finally have come up with some sort of branding. So we'll see how it goes. First one for you. What's your favourite ground that you've played at? Uh, Bankery. Okay. Just, I was, I sorry, it's just a nice ground. I've never, I've heard horror stories of being in Bankery. Thankfully, I missed the, the game we played at Bankery where they were all out for 40 and we struggled to 41 for nine when it was the most boggy field. But anytime I've ever been at Bankery, it's been scorching sun. Um, can it's, it's a nice ground, it's a picture, quite picturesque ground, I think. It's horrible to see the ball. That's why I always drop them at Bunker. Yes, get that excuse in there. Um, but it is, it is. A, I quite enjoy going up to Bunker. It's also you can get a Ashfield on the way back home as well. That always helps. So, yeah, it would have to be Bunker. I feel like I had to qualify that by favorite ground that you've played at because it would be a pretty obvious answer if it was just favorite ground. Full stop. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> favorite favorite ground I've ever been at is MCG, hands down. It's just it's incredible. It's one of the. Like just the history with the MCG is is mental. Okay, the players that have played there are the yeah, I'll tell sharp. It's supposed to be quick fire, Andrew. Well, that's, I say quick fire, <laughs> and that's just a name for it. You can explain them as long as you want. I don't mind. I'm gonna put you on the spot though. That this is the thing with the next couple of questions. Who's the best player you think you played with? Uh, Corey. He has just this inane ability to make it look so when Corey is on song. There's no one that I've played with that makes it look so easy. Like he just, just the why he can time the ball, the why he can hit the ball. Like Corey's got that ability to flick that switch and just go mental. Can okay, when I seen it the last couple of years, kind of Liam's almost kind of taken over the mantle of being the chief Bowie run scorer. But no, it would have, it would have to be Corey. Um, just like I say, he's just he just has this ability to make it look so easy. Have you ever actually batted with Corey? Yeah, it's a nightmare drawing me him because he doesn't speak. But sometimes you don't need to speak. You you just know you like watching Liam and Corey back together is one of the funniest things ever because neither of them speak. Can they just hear this? Obviously, they're both Bowies, they're brothers, so they just have this little ability that they know there's a single there, just a simple nod of the head or just a, a twitch to the side. Or I don't two even there. think they look at each other to be honest. Yeah, they just. All they hear is the sound of the ball off the bat. They just know. They don't, like you're saying, they don't even look at each other. They just know. I was just asking that because everything you said, I think, is totally 100% right. But you could probably get all that from the side. It's slightly different. If, if anything, it's even more impressive when you're there at the other end. With them. I'm not even sure I've ever batted with them. But it, it just is. It's different when you're batting yeah. with somebody compared to watching them. Uh, who's the biggest joker, you think, at the club? Biggest joker. Gospel likes to try. Suter, Suter has got his own brand of humour. Um, like I, I've gotten on quite, quite well with Suter this last couple of years. He's an acquired taste. Uh, I think he would admit that himself. But I, I've kind of got on really well with Suter this last few years. And as much as he tries to make out that he's the class clown, he's actually kind of really clever, and he knows a lot about the actual game as well. And he's helped me a couple of times with just little things, whether it be kind of when I'm bowling to keep myself a bit more upright or stuff so but I'd say biggest joker is probably yeah yeah gospel but like I say Suter has his own brand of Suter humour shall we say we need to get that on a t-shirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> some branding ideas for you is there a, a particular innings with the bat that stands out for you I suppose that could be good or bad but I'm thinking good um we I've never I've never really had it and innings that I scored, I scored a 50 partnership. We, I think it was with Goss, was it with Gospel or was it with Liam? I think it was Gospel. It was with Gospel. Did you hit a ball? Yeah, no, I did. I did. I did. <laughs> um, I was quite clever. I could count to six. So I got a single off that last ball. The Corey school of batting, shall I say. But I know it was a game I played, I think I was playing against Stonehaven. Um, I only scored about, I think I scored 15 runs, 16 runs maybe. But. Like that was a game that we'd set. We walked when I came in, we were about 100, 110 for six or seven. 
and we set me and Gospel just set the target right. We're just ticket ten at a time. We got what got to one twenty, got to one thirty, got to one forty, got to one fifty, and then we realised we we can get to one one seventy five here. Um, and it was just kind of put, running me gospel as an experience. Um, I've. I think everybody's been lapped by him at least once. Not yet. Nearly. Not yet. Okay. But I've I've got another story I'll be running the gospel, but I'll finish the the my favourite and then says that fifth that fifty. I think we actually scored about sixty odd together to get ups up and get this one seven five, and we ended up winning a game by about 20, 30 runs. I think kind of that game to me was. That, that partnership, sorry, to me was quite a big partnership and it, it showed that it wasn't just, because even gospel that day, wasn't just all out, I'm just going to hit every ball for six, even he was, you know, like I'm saying, hitting the ball into the gap, get running the twos, um, putting the field under a bit of pressure in a, in a league game and then you go the opposite at the end, batting the gospel. I, was it three years ago now, I opened the batting in the sevens with gospel and and I only fit, was only in the middle for two balls I only faced one of them, but I was nearly ran out about five times. So the first ball, gospel head, and it was a simple, all it was, just a nice, easy one. But for some reason, gospel thought two. So running, obviously ran the first one pretty hard, tried to get back, and then started running back for a second one. I thought, I'm, I'm getting run out here. And I just thought, right, let's dive. So I dived. The field of the stumps misfelled the ball. Because it was obviously sevens, the field was obviously spread. The new gospel, so everybody was out in the boundary. Um, and then the, the field that the bowler had turned around, picked the ball up, threw it up to the wicket keeper, and he fumbled it, and that was my nearly run out again. Then I faced the next ball, and it was just it was just madness. Like I obviously I was run out. Like the first I hit the ball and I hit it straight back to the bowler, and I'm just going, no. But fit does gospel do? Yes. But in fairness to him, he was right because it went to his left hand and he was going to the right. And oh, it was, he he tried to make it sound better than it was. Um, so yeah, it was that was an experience running with him, getting run out almost about six times, and then eventually getting actually run out. It's a rite of passage, I think, for any Fraserburgh player to get run out while batting <laughs> with gospel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he's, gospel did he has that sensible head on him as well. He he does say that ability to say no when there isn't actually a run there so as much as he's a can be a lunatic he is he is quite clever as well so what about from the ball inside there is there a particular spell with the ball that stands out to you again i'm thinking good but it could be good or bad um i could probably i could do one of both really okay um so there was a game we played at home this is a good one by the way um, Thanks for clarifying so, before we start. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a game we played at home. Um, we were playing against Methlick. We were without a couple of our big name bowlers. I don't actually think Gospel or Suter or anybody was playing that day. Michael was captain um, and he was bowling. That's how short on bowlers we were. And for some bizarre reason, I was asked to bowl the 43rd and the 45th over. Now, me, who is inconsistent, I will openly admit I'm inconsistent, to be asked to bowl the 43rd and 45th over, I was like, this is massive pressure. Like, this is huge. I bowled the 43rd, and I think I only bowled one. Wide. I did, in fact, I did actually think I bowled a white that over, which was, I was impressed with myself. But everything I was, I was bowling and bowling, and it was uh, Amy Jones was on strike. And we'd kind of skip, we'd got rid of the, the more established batsmen pretty early. And Jamie just we'd hung around and hung around, and he just was, he was there till the end. Pulled that over him, and he was just—he was just taking twos every time. We kind of spread the field, but and then I bowled the forty-fifth over, and I first ball was a wide, so it kind of obviously immediately pressure was back on me. Um, second ball I bowled was a dot. Um, somehow I managed to bowl a Yorker, clipped it in it, bat on it before he hit, it hit his toe. Um, then second ball I bowled was an absolutely rank half tracker that he yanked over the road then fourth ball first, um, somehow I managed to get an edge off him the keeper dropped it so that got the, the scuff um, scuff of the ground and the, the usual bowler tiff and then eventually fifth ball I finally bowled him um, and kind of I think I ended up that day with figures of like two for 20 odd um, off about six overs I think which for me was kind of massive it was the first game I bowled 
kind of a decent amount of overs, but I'd actually contributed as well, kind of held up the run rate at the end. And kind of I felt, I felt to blow my aim horn, I felt quite proud of myself for blowing that last over and only getting hit for about eight. So, yeah. And then you go the opposite end of the scale. Uh, again, a game at home, I bowling against Stonehaven. I bowled a 12 ball over. Impressive. But five of the wides were in a row. I think uh, it got to the point where the umpire just, like the last, even the last ball they actually said was a, and was a dot, apparently. Um, I think the umpire just got, his arms just got a bit tired and just thought, nah, that's it, we're done. <laughs> just took pity on you. Yeah, basically, which was fine for me because I could stop. <laughs> he must have been knackered at the end of that. Yeah, yeah, I felt sorry for him. I did tell him that he should have just let me go with the first one. The first one was one of those dodgy ones. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. So, what table? Okay, then. Last one for you, Andrew. You'll be pleased to know. What's your top tip for any youngsters starting out in cricket? Just give it a go. Um, and give everything a go. Didn't I just say, didn't I just come in and um, say, right, I'm going to be a bowler, I'm going to be a batter? Just give it a try. Can you? Just because you can hit the ball really far doesn't mean to say that you're not going to be able to bowl and bowl really well. Can you look at the likes of your top players that are in the world just now, likes of Ben Stokes? Can he's probably one of the only players in the world that can play in a team as a specialist batsman or a specialist bowler. It is a, it's just a case of giving everything a try. When you do turn up to training sessions, actually work at them. Go for little skills and stuff that you need to work on. So. And also just enjoy it. Don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself. It's 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 a cliche thing and it is incredibly cliche, but just and just enjoy it. It's at the end of the day, if it's a bony day, you're getting a suntan. I started laughing not because that's cliche, but because based on everything you've said so far, it's very much like you that enjoy it as the afterthought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I do try and enjoy it, but yeah, sometimes I go a bit too far and enjoy it too much. Enjoy it too much. Yeah, I mean, you can never enjoy it too much. <laughs> uh, I think that's about as good a note as any to end on. So, Andrew, thank you very much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this and we'll put yourself through it again if the situation arises in the future. Yeah, right. Thank you very much. It was enjoyable. Definitely not nearly enough enthusiasm there, but that's fine. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Oh, I think he enjoyed it really and I must say it was particularly interesting for me to talk to Andrew about his time in Australia because that's not something that I'd ever really spoken to him about before and obviously cricket is such a big part of the culture over there which you probably can't realistically say the same about in the northeast of Scotland. Clubs like Fraserburgh though try and keep the sport going even when it's not the most popular and if you want to be a part of Fraserburgh Cricket Club you can get in touch on either Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Training will hopefully be starting up soon if it hasn't already by the time this goes out and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. For the time being, thanks for listening. I'm Andrew Henderson. We'll see you next time.